so good to hear your voice and see your faces. Um, if you have a Bible, I would like you to open up to John 17, verse 1. We'll get started there shortly. Really quickly, um, just want to take the opportunity to thank all those who are in this service online, if you're watching, that participated and have helped in Red Awning Cafe throughout the year. Um, it came to a conclusion this past week and just wanted to thank everybody for doing that, it's seen and unseen. It's been a great year. It was great to see the kids throughout the year have that opportunity. And as excited as I am to take the summer off, I'm just as excited for next year to start and do it all over. So just thank you for that. Um, so once again, good morning. My name is Pastor Ian. I'm one of the pastors here at FBC. And over the past few months, through reading John, we have been able to see the life of Jesus Christ. We have seen miracles performed. We have seen the disciples learning through the life of Christ. And we have also seen who Jesus is. And who Jesus is, is he is always seeking to glorify the Father through his lifestyle, his words, and his actions. What we really get to see here in the start of John 17 is the vulnerability of Jesus Christ. So even to the point where he knows he is about to suffer and die on the cross, where he knows he is about to go through this pain, he is, his main focus is to glorify the Father. Another thing we can see here is Jesus Christ is talking to God the Father. He is making sure that the glorification that is going to come through Jesus is not for Jesus. Instead, it is for the benefit of the Father. See, what Jesus Christ is doing is throughout his whole life and even to this point towards the end of his life, he is doing what we call altruism. And what this means is Jesus is utilizing a behavior that benefits another individual at the cost of himself. So what this would mean is an example, a very small example, if it's cold outside and you offer your coat, offer your back to somebody else for their benefit at the cost of you suffering and being cold yourself. So Jesus is doing this at a very tremendous level for our lives. And this is what Jesus has been teaching and doing his whole life. And even in this moment, anyone sitting here today would think in their last moments, if you knew you were about to suffer on the cross, if you knew you were about to be tormented and tortured, you'd probably become a little bit self-absorbed, a little bit selfish. You'd be wondering, how can I benefit myself in the last days? How can I feel better about myself? How can I make this a little bit easier for me? But what Jesus is doing is the exact opposite. Jesus is still focusing on the glorification of God through his life. So as we go into John 17, I want you to think about this and what Jesus is doing in these final moments in his life. Because when you realize that his whole life is devoted to the benefit 
of someone else. It is devoted to the benefit of God's glory through the life of Jesus. Then you'll understand or begin to understand why Jesus does what he does. Why Jesus has lived the life that he is living. And then we can follow this in our own life. So let's read this morning, John 17, verse 1 through 8. After Jesus says this, he looked toward heaven and prayed, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that your Son may glorify you. For you granted him authority over all people, that he might give eternal life to all those you have given him. Now this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I have brought you glory on earth by finishing the work you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. I have revealed you to those whom you gave me out of, this, out of the world. They were yours. You gave them to me, and they have obeyed your word. Now they know that everything you have given me comes from you. For I gave them the words you gave me, and they accepted them. They knew with certainty that I came from you, and they believed that you sent me. So this passage comes right after Jesus is speaking to his disciples and letting them know he is not alone, and the Father is with him. As we heard from Pastor Matt last week in the conclusion of chapter 16, Jesus is speaking to the disciples and is really summarizing what the gospel message is of Christ. Jesus came, entered into the world, and will be returning to the Father by way of the cross. Jesus is returning to the Father soon, and all these things are about to take place. So Jesus takes some time to speak to the Father through prayer and continues to show the example of glorifying God through his life. So let's begin to just break down what is happening. In verse 1, it says, After Jesus said this, he looked toward heaven and prayed, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that your Son may glorify you. We are seeing Jesus lifting up the glory of God to the, the Father over himself, which is something that he has been doing his whole life and has been exemplifying in his life. And teaching us to do. So why would it be any different now in his final prayers? Jesus is speaking to the Father about the final hours of his life. He is speaking of the accomplishments he has made. And coming to the finish of the mission that was started when he entered earth. And not only his earthly mission is coming to an end, but the fact that he is continuing to glorify God, the Father, in the process. Jesus is saying now that he is done with what was asked of him. Give him the glory he deserves through his accomplishments. Allow him to return to the presence of God. So I want to ask you a question this morning. Do you follow that example of Jesus in this way? In your life, can you say that you follow the example of Christ, the life that he showed us, and living that way in your own life. Jesus continually showed us how to glorify God throughout his life. And he set the example for this. 
So if you're here this morning, if you've been a Christian for a couple weeks, six months, 20 years, if you're ever wondering, what can I do to glorify God? What do I need to do in my life to be the example that was set before me? Look at Jesus's life. Look at what he has done. Look at how he reacts, how he acts towards things, how he prays. That is the example we have. And in this verse, we are seeing the example that Jesus was always living a life glorifying to God. So I want to ask you, are you living a life that is glorifying God? In verse 2, it says, For you granted him authority over all people, that he might give eternal life to the to all those you gave, have given him. So this is another important verse because what we are seeing is the whole purpose of Jesus' life is to glorify the Father. It is to say, you have, given me, you have given authority to me to come to earth and seek the children that are lost in your kingdom so they might receive eternal life through the giving of my life on the cross. You see, this was happening long before we were born. God had a plan of salvation in our lives. But for that salvation to take place, it has to be done through payment without blemish or error. And because we're sinful in nature, and because we always continue to live a life of sin, even if we ask for forgiveness, usually the next thing we do, I usually can't go longer in my day without doing something wrong without having some selfish ambition. And that is why in ourselves, we are not able to live without blemish or error. So therefore we cannot pay for that. So in order for salvation to take place, we needed Jesus to come down and live his life from sin, free from sin. So he would die on the cross because once he did that, he would hold all the marbles in our life. So when we think about something, sometimes we wonder, and this is something I wonder or have wondered in the past, if Jesus is Jesus, why couldn't he jump off the cross? When he was being abused, when he was being tortured, when he was going through everything he was going for, if he's Jesus, why couldn't he just put an end to it? He could have. But here's what would have happened. If he would have done that, if he would have put an end to what was going through his life, all this suffering, he no longer would have been doing the things in his life to glorify God. He would have done it out of selfish ambition for himself, which means he would no longer be living free of blemish and error, which means everything he did in his life wouldn't have worked. He could have. He chose not to, so that you wouldn't have to. And because Jesus did this without blemish, because he died on the cross and because he came to save us, he paid the price and Jesus Christ now owns our salvation. It is no longer something that we have to pay for because Jesus owns it. And what Jesus did was he freely gave it back to us. but he only gave it back to us if we acknowledge who Jesus Christ is in our life. John 17, 2 says, For you granted him authority over all people, 
that he might give eternal life to all those you have given him. So this was to be fulfilled after Jesus paid the price. Can you take control of something before you own it? Can you walk into a dealership, tell them you want to test drive a car, wait for them to give you the key, and drive off the lot? Yes, you can. But what would happen? You'd get arrested. Your record would be blemished. And you no longer would be free and clear. So what Jesus did is he paid for that. He knew we couldn't afford it. He knew we couldn't pay for that on our own. So he came down to earth and purchased all our sins with the price of his life so that salvation is no longer needing to be purchased by us. It is now able to be freely given by Jesus Christ to those who acknowledge him. If you just accept Jesus Christ in your heart, he has that key to salvation in your life. And he is willing to give it to you for free because he knew you couldn't pay for it. But you have to acknowledge who he is. You have to accept him. You have to accept the fact that he paid for it. And then he'll give you the key. You see, what was happening long before any of us were born, God had a plan for salvation in our lives. And that's what Jesus was. He holds the admission. John 17, 3 says, Now this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. So what does this mean? What Jesus is saying here is referring to the fact that eternal life has nothing to do with the, I had to make sure I was reading it right, nothing to do with the quantity of life, but the quality of life. See, if we go back to Matthew 25, verse 46, it says, then they will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. So whether you believe in God or not, whether you choose to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, does not mean you're not going to live eternally somewhere. You will. You will live eternally separated from God in your life, if you choose to not follow Christ and you choose to not accept him, you will live eternally separated from God, which is what we call hell. Or you will live with God eternally in heaven and in his presence. So what we are saying here, or what we are seeing, it's not a matter of if we will or will not live eternally. But the question is, what is the quality in which you will live eternally? John 5.24 says, Very truly I tell you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be judged but crossed over from death to life. What this is describing here is that when the time comes for judgment, if you believe in Christ... You will not be judged because of your sins, because they are forgiven through the life of Christ and through his death on the cross. So therefore, he did everything he did for you. So you wouldn't have to pay that price. 
And if this happens in your life and you accept Christ in your heart, you cross over from an eternity in hell, which is death, to an eternity in Christ, which is life. And now we go into John 17, verse 5, where it says, And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. What you're seeing in this moment is Jesus sees the end in sight. And Jesus knows where he's going. He's going back to the glory of God. He's going where he, be, where he was before he came to the earth. So Jesus is acknowledging in this that his time is coming to an end, but he's doing it in a way to still express his desires to go back to the glory of God because Jesus knows the glory of God. You need to imagine, honestly, at this point, we have a thought process that when we think of Jesus, we think of perfect and everything that he's done and all the miracles and you just, this, every picture that's painted of him, most of the pictures are just these happy pictures, which is true. Jesus was that. But you also got to realize that Jesus was fully human. He was tired. He was ready. He spent his whole life without sin, in temptation, without faltering and fighting for you to have the ability to share an eternity with him through his death on the cross. I cannot imagine or begin to even imagine how hard that must have been mentally and physically to live your whole life that way. Because I obviously can't do it for half a day. And he spent his whole life this way. This was not a holiday for Jesus. This was not a thing that anyone would want to do. But Jesus knew that in order to save us, he would first have to sacrifice himself to save us. I don't know a person, I don't know a parent in this room or anywhere that I've ever met that if their child was in distress, if their child was being hurt, if, there, if something was happening to their child, that they would not step in without thinking, that they would not step in front of that harm to save their child. I would for my children. I'd do it for not my children too, but firstly my children. And that's what Jesus did. Jesus saw, Jesus knew the harm that was coming of us. And Jesus said, no, I'm standing in front of that because I don't want to see them go through that. We're all sitting here wondering what it would be like to be in the presence of God. To know that that love and glory from God in that unimaginable setting. Jesus already knows of it. Jesus already sees it. Jesus already knows what that is like. So if Jesus wants to go back to the glory of God, what makes you think the world is a better place? Okay? What makes you think if Jesus Christ can enter this world, live his whole entire life and go, nope, not for me, that you would say, hmm, this looks better. Especially when we can't fathom the glory of God, 
But Jesus knew the glory of God. And Jesus said, not happening. There's nothing better here for me. I'm going back to the glory of God. So instead, he was excited to be towards that finish line and ready to go back to God's glory because Jesus knew how much better it was. And through this life that Jesus showed us, we should see this too. We should understand through reading this verse that being in the presence of the Lord is going to be so much better, so much more glorious than anything we can imagine. And we also should be thankful Because without the death of Jesus on the cross and without him suffering and dying for our sins, we would not be able to obtain the ability to pay for it on our own because our debt is too great. Our debt is continual. We're human. We're selfish. We're sinful. As soon as we empty that cup, we start filling it with new sin. It just keeps coming. We're chasing a debt that we can't ever fulfill because we keep filling it. So remember a few chapters ago in John 14, verse 6, when it said, Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So because we see Jesus, because we know who he is and we accept him into our heart is how we receive that gift. John seventeen six says, I've revealed for you to those whom you gave me out of the world. They were yours and you gave them to me and I have obeyed your word and they have obeyed your word. See, this verse is an important transition from Jesus explaining to God that through this process, Jesus was sent to share the name of God with those who would listen and accept Jesus as the son of God. And what Jesus is saying is that Jesus not only came to earth and shared the word of God, but the the believers have obeyed by accepting Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And that's what this is about this morning. To receive the salvation God is offering, we first need to receive the truth that Jesus Christ was telling us. And in that truth that Jesus is telling us, that he is the way to God. So because the disciples believed who Jesus is, they have now obeyed the word, and Jesus Christ is praying for them in a way to say, look, you have sent me to tell them and believe in me, and they are doing so. So through that belief in Jesus, they have obeyed the word of God that Jesus was sharing with them. The life of Jesus is the reason for us to believe. It is through everything he did to glorify God through his life that gives us the ability to sit here today in this world and be saved. We can't do it on our own, so quit trying to. Without the, help of the, without the help through the life of Christ, we are all lost. In Luke 19.10, it says, For the Son of Man came 
to seek and save the lost. This is what Jesus was doing for us. He was seeking us out. And now towards the end of the verses we will read this morning, in verse 7 and 8, it says, Now that they know everything you have given me comes from you, for I gave them the words you gave me, and they accepted them. They knew with certainty that I came from you, and they believed that you sent me. We are at a point now that although the disciples have been with Jesus Christ for several years, through all the teachings of Jesus and through all the miracles that he performed and the miraculous things that he has done, even the disciples were still a little bit confused. And they weren't fully getting it. Because remember, Pastor Matt last week was talking about being overconfident. So I'm going to ask you another question this morning. Have we also accepted the words of Jesus as true in our lives? The disciples have come to a point now that although they are still misunderstanding and maybe not fully grasping some of the things that Jesus is saying, they at least acknowledged who Jesus was. They at least believe who Jesus is in their life. Through this belief, the disciples will continue to grow in knowledge and in the knowledge of Jesus in their lives. So can you say that even though you're not fully understanding, there's things that you just can't figure out yet. Are you at least saying that you believe Jesus is who he said he is? Because before you begin to try to break down understanding something, you first need to accept it. So have you accepted this truth in your life that Jesus Christ came, suffered, died on the cross to pay for the sins of your salvation and holds the key that he will freely give back to you if you acknowledge who he is, ask for forgiveness and say, Christ, I believe you are who you say you are. We can spend our whole life hearing something and learning of something and still not fully get it, can't we? So through this example of Jesus, we have seen, we see even that towards the end, that Jesus is still committed to glorifying God, the Father. Jesus is still putting in the time to say, to stay close to God, because we need that foundation to stand firm in our faith because of our own misunderstanding. And we need to continually see that example in our life. Because from beginning to end, Jesus lived a life to glorify God. And even at the end, he chose to continue showing that example. So we know it is our whole life. It's not the beginning, it's not part of the middle, it's not a little bit here in between. It's from beginning to end of our life. We are called to glorify God. We are called to acknowledge who Christ is. We are called to live the example of Christ in our life as he did from start to finish. So although the disciples still have much to learn, we also see Jesus point out, that these he gave the words to have accepted him. You see, Judas was no longer in the equation. 
So those that Jesus is praying about in this moment are true believers of Christ. And Jesus is praying for that. And so even though there's still much to learn, just as we all as Christians have much to learn, Jesus was expressing the prayer to glorify God, but also pray for the mission of the apostles. Because when Jesus leaves, it is them who will continue the message of Christ in the world. It is us who will continue the life and message of Jesus in the world. And that's what Jesus showed us through his example of his life. That is what Jesus showed us through his example of prayer. It is for the glory of God. Everything in our life should be for the glory of God. Everything we've done should be for the glory of God. Jesus was in need of nothing because God provided for him, because everything Jesus did was to glorify God. And if we realize that, if we see that in our life, we'll begin to understand why Jesus did what he did. But first we have to let go of ourselves and accept that one, we can't do it on our own, except that two, we can't pay that price. And three, accept Christ into our hearts because he's the one who paid the price and holds the keys to our salvation. If you accept him into your hearts. So Jesus is also praying for the future of that message as he leaves to go to the glory of the Father. And that is what we are here to do, is to glorify God. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray right now that our life would be a living example just as Jesus lived. I pray right now that we would glorify you through our actions, our lifestyle, our words. Because I pray, Lord, that we would glorify you. I pray that we would acknowledge Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. I pray that we would understand and know that he came and suffered and died on the cross to pay for our sins. Because that is how much he loved us. That is how much he loved the ch our, your children. And I pray that as we leave here this morning, as we continue in our life, that although we are not free from blemish and although we continue to sin in our life, that we would remember that is why Jesus came. And that is why Jesus is continuing to pray to you through these verses, because we need that example from beginning to end to understand that we need to glorify God, that we need to glorify you with our whole life. And then we pray. Amen.